Welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher. There are a hundred podcasts in the city, but she walked into mine. She had a great set of vocal cords and an attitude to match. She said her name was Lydia. I don't know if it was really was or not. I didn't care. The guy that taught me all of my tricks told me that if a dame like her wants to host your show, you don't ask too many questions. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it in. <laughs> Hi, Lydia. How you doing? Um, apparently, I'm the femme fatale of this podcast, so pretty darn swell. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, that was close as you're going to get to a Sam Spade for me, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty good. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in to the show. We certainly do appreciate it. Orphan Entertainment is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, if you have the option to do so, rate and review the show. It does help the show get out to more people. If you happen to be a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join, and this is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next and an easy place to leave comments on the films or episodes. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch many of the films we have covered here on the show. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphaned Entertainment. If you would like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. You can now buy us a coffee. Follow the link to Kofi, and you can make a one-time donation or to help support the show. You can find these links on our webpage at orphanedentertainment.com. Let's listen to a five-minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. When we return, we grab a fedoras and start casing the streets to find my favorite brunette. Another five-minute mystery. I don't see why I listen. It isn't every woman who can flip a dial and hear her husband's voice. But I don't know where Vin's got the idea for those hard stories. It's so depressing, it's making a nervous wreck out of me. Darling, you are in a state. What is it? I thought... I could have sworn I heard footsteps in the hallway. Oh, now, Joanna, this is preposterous. You mustn't let this get you. The lights! They've gone out! There is someone. Someone right outside this door. Joanna! Joanna! Oh, heavens, she's dead! Now, Miss Warren, if you'll just calm down and tell me exactly what you can. There's nothing left to tell except what you already know. Hilda called you on the maid's phone, and then I called Mr. Carraway at the radio station from in here. Weren't you on the air, Mr. Carraway, at the time of the murder? Yes, I was just about finishing my show. I heard the phone ring from the studio and caught it just in time. I got here as quickly as I could. It's only a short distance. Poor Mrs. Carraway. 
Thank heaven she died without ever knowing. Knowing what? That her best friend was trying to get her husband, that's what. Hilda! You needn't kill me in that tone of voice, Miss Warren. It is you, Jim. Kill Joanna, are you crazy? Don't be such a conceited fool, Vincent. No man is worth murder. Not even you. So you were in love with Mr. Carraway, Mrs. Warren. So what? I might have wished her dead, but I didn't kill her. Mr. Carraway, you said you heard the phone from the studio and just got to the phone in time. Wasn't there anyone else to answer it? At this time of night, there is no one else at the station except myself and the engineer. And he, of course, is in the control booth on the next floor. I thought the engineers worked right off the studio. They usually do. However, I work for my own private studio just off my office. It's perfectly soundproof for broadcasting. Very considerate of your employers, I must say. Yes, it is. Of course, everyone isn't entitled to such privileges. Nor does anyone have such a good opportunity for murder. Murder? What are you talking about? Just this, Mr. Carraway. I'm arresting you for the murder of your wife. Why did the inspector accuse Vincent Carraway of the murder of his wife? In just a moment, we'll hear, but first... What's up, guys? You like movies? You like cleverly named cocktails? Then why don't you listen to Pop? Pour. Review! A podcast where we review movies, all while drinking some cocktails. Join us every Monday as we discuss new movies, old movies, and everything in between. New episodes Mondays at 7 Eastern. Come have a drink with us. And now, back to our story. I was broadcasting over the air a mile away when my wife was shot. Thousands who heard my show can testify to that. Yes, thousands can testify they heard the voice of Vincent Carraway, but not the man. Because at the exact time you were lulling thousands to sleep by means of a record you'd made earlier, you raced to this house, stole in on your unsuspecting wife, shot her, and raced back to the studio in time to remove the record when it reached its end. Not even the engineer could see that it wasn't you before the microphone. You claimed to have heard the phone ring while you were still in the studio. But studios are entirely soundproof, Mr. Carraway. You couldn't possibly have heard that phone ringing in the next office. My favorite brunette is a 1947 comedy and film noir parody directed by Elliot Nugent and stars Bob Hope and Dorothy L'Amour with Peter Lorre and Lon Chaney Jr. This was the second of three comedies Bob Hope made for Paramount that featured My Favorite in their titles. The first was My Favorite Blonde in 1942 and the third was My Favorite Spy in 1951. All three paired Hope with beautiful females, had fast-paced plots, and were peppered with cameos by major stars. And all three were also among Hope's biggest box office hits. Bob Hope plays Ronnie Jackson, a baby photographer who dreams of becoming a private eye like his office neighbor Sam McCloud. When Sam goes out of town, Ronnie is mistaken for the P.I. by Dorothy L'Amour's Baroness Carlotta Monte. She claims her invalid husband has been kidnapped and needs Ronnie's help in tracking him down. Seeing his chance to live his dream, he takes the case. When trying to meet her again at her mansion, he meets a series of characters that tell a very different story. Her husband is really her uncle, and not missing, and he and his associates, including Peter Laurie as a creepy man named Kismet, and a child-minded Willie, played by Lon Chaney Jr., mimicking of his Mice and Men role, Lenny. 
Ronnie decides to drop the case, but when spying through an open window, he sees the very much not-invalid uncle laughing and congratulating the others on fooling Carlotta and Ronnie. He's back on the case whether he likes it or not when the never-do-wells discover he has a map from Carlotta's real uncle that could lead them to a fortune in rare minerals. Bob Hope was a vaudevillian, an actor, a singer, dancer, and author with a career that spanned nearly 80 years. Hope appeared in more than 70 shorts and feature films, 54 of the feature films with him as top-billed star. Several of his best-known are the Road to movies, in which he starred alongside frequent co-star Bing Crosby and Dorothy L'Amour. He was also famous for hosting the Academy Awards 19 times, which is more than any other host. Hope was actually born in southeast London. He and his family arrived in the U.S. when he was four, and he grew up near Cleveland, Ohio. After a short career in boxing, he began his career in entertainment in the 1920s. He quickly became well-known for his expert timing and one-liners, and he's often credited with helping establish the modern stand-up routine. Between 1941 and 1991, Hope made 57 tours with the United Service Organizations entertaining troops around the world. He retired from public life in 1998 and passed away in 2003 at the age of 100. Dorothy L'Amour began her career in the 1930s as a big band singer. In 36, she moved to Hollywood, where she signed with Paramount Pictures. Her second film for Paramount, The Jungle Princess, with Ray Milland, solidified her fame. In the film, L'Amour plays the role of Ula, a jungle native who wore an Edith Head-designed sarong throughout the film. The film was a big hit for the studio, and L'Amour would forever be the sarong queen for the rest of her career. <laughs> In 1940, L'Amour made her first of the Road 2 films, Road to Singapore. The sixth film in the series, Road to Bali, which we covered back in November of 2013, was released in 1952. In 61, Crosby and Hope did one last road picture, The Road to Hong Kong, but actress Joan Collins was the female lead. L'Amour did make a brief appearance and sang a song near the end of that film. In the 70s and 80s, L'Amour revived her nightclub act, as well as began appearing on television in series such as The Love Boat, Marcus Welby, M.D., Heart to Heart, and Murder, She Wrote. In 1980, she released her autobiography, My Side of the Road, and she made her final movie appearance in 1987 in the movie Creepshow 2, appearing with George Kennedy as an aging couple who are killed during a robbery. The then 72-year-old L'Amour quipped, well, at my age, you can't lean against a palm tree and sing Moon to Manacora, she said. People would look at that and say, what is she trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> Two incredible actors. I mean, we've looked at uh, The Road to Bali. I couldn't believe it was 2013 when I look back to see when that was. So long ago. That was yeah. me, you, and Barry uh, oh, wow. reviewed that film. Gosh. Yeah, we've been around a little while. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's that's one of my it's really funny, uh you know, you you look for these out of copyright movies kind of wherever you can find them. And uh interestingly, if you play them on YouTube, sometimes it'll just lead into the next movie. And so after reviewing it today again for I don't know how many times I've seen this movie now, but <laughs> I was walking by and, and the road to Bali was playing and I was like, what? <laughs> it, it just popped <laughs> up, you know, it just chains the, the Bob Hope movies one after the other. But th this is, this is, <laughs> 
this movie is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) This movie reminds me of so many other movies, but not in a negative way, not in the, oh, this is just, you know, uh, your typical, but there are a lot of gags in it that you see like the same gags later in other, um, in other comedy mystery movies, you know, in, in things like the cheap detective or the secret life of Walter Mitty with the original one with Danny Kay, where they have, you know, he's trying to get into the, to the house and you just see a hand reach up and unlock the window and push it open for him so that he can get in. You know, <laughs> they do that kind of gag in this and, and there, you know, you don't realize how many of the jokes they reuse in, in different movies, but all kind of in the same era. So, but this, I think that one of the reasons this movie is so popular, not only because it's out of copyright now, so it's easy to get copies of, but because it has kind of all those quintessential jokes inside of it, they're all, they're all included. There's everything from the car chase to, of course, the femme fatale to the, the, the idiot detective who has to be helped along by the bad guys to find all the wrong clues. Yes. So it's, it's probably... It's probably one of Bob Hope's best solo movies. Um, solo in that he's, you know, not not working, Paired you know, with like one of being or someone else. Yeah, right. exactly. It's probably one of his best movies. I'm trying to think if there are any other just Bob Hope movies. I, I love um, The Ghost Breakers, but that's just kind of one of my personal favorites um, with Paulette Goddard in that one. It's it's so weird though to see Bob Hope and Dorothy Lamar in a movie and not have Bing there the whole time. Yes. <laughs> it's almost confusing, but it it carries well. You're not watching this movie the whole time wondering where's Bing. Where I mean, maybe you are until it's of course that question is answered later on. But <laughs> but, but it's it actually is really it's well it's well put together. The the supporting cast in this. Um, Fantastic. I'm going to read down it. It's Peter Laurie, Lon Chaney Jr., John Hoyt, Charles Dingle, Reginald Denny, Frank Puglia, who I didn't recognize, but it turns out he's in one of my other favorite classics, um, The Desert Hawk. Good luck finding it. I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> we had taped it off TMC or AMC or some, or, you know, whatever, one of those. And it's just one of my favorites. Difficult to find. But they're. The list of people on here, it's just, it reads like a character list of Hollywood at this time. Mm-hmm. So, so it, and interestingly, I don't know if you picked this up, this was the first movie produced by Hope, uh, by Bob Hope's production company. Oh, no, I did not see that. I, I saw that in a trivia somewhere, and I thought, that was really interesting. You know, now they put the producers up and they headline the producers the way that they didn't do back in these days. So you have to dig for it a little bit. But I thought that was interesting. I didn't even look to see if they made, uh, you know, any money on it or not. I assume they did. It was Bob Hope and Dorothy L'Amour. But interesting to see that. And then I did see that the costume design was done by Edith Head, a huge costume designer in that day. And then and after as she did the quintessential costuming for like, um, oh, gosh, what's her name? She married Prince Rainier. Um, oh, for like Grace Kelly. She did just mm-hmm. the, she like all of the just bombshell dresses, the iconic ones that you think of. 
Edith Head had a hand in those. Um, and so everything from the scene where Dorothy Lamore walks in first in this movie and she's wearing the coat draped with the sable, just, you know, and everything that is the iconic look you think of in this time, all the way to the evening gown that she has with its, it's not quite a two piece evening gown, but it's got the cutout around the back, which is so, so, (laughs) so iconic of this era. So I just, this is, this movie is such a great example of movies of this time for so many reasons. Um, I am already gushing and we're like not even talking that much about <laughs> yeah. the individual characters yet. I, I've, Some interesting I've said stuff. one thing about the film so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you started us off. I appreciate it. Thanks. Now you can just sit back. and. You know. <laughs> Welcome to the Lydia Show. Ba, I know. Ba, ba, ba. Uh, no. Well, I mean, we're lucky it's not David Niven, aren't we? So- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, but let's do talk a little bit about Bob Hope. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I know that in recent years, he's become a little bit more controversial. Um, but I kind—I almost want to just ignore that. <laughs> because- yeah, I think you have to separate the man and his politics from the, the actor in his films. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a bit. That was a good answer. But so, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, go. If you agree with his politics, that's fine. If you don't, so be it. But his films are, you can't deny how important they are in American cinema. I mean, he is one of the greatest comedic actors that we've seen. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the, the stuff he did, the uh, USO, I mean, none of that can be overstated or ignored so yes uh there's probably a lot of his personal life too as well i mean he was apparently a bit quite a bit of a womanizer um lots of extramarital affairs and such so yeah you could say he's a problematic but when it comes to actually watching him in his movies it's it's a whole nother world and a whole nother person and you can't help but be entertained he's genuinely one of the funniest men I have ever seen. Um, And just specifically just his delivery of so many jokes, you can read, like you can pick up a book of Bob Hope jokes and read the jokes and they are hilarious. Mm -hmm. He says stuff like, you know, I don't mind dying. It's not the dying that bothers me. It's the preliminaries I don't care for. (laughs) (laughs) Just there's so many, so many things. Thing, quotes and jokes that I think originated with Bob Hope that we don't even realize that the style of comedy that he had, it may have come from somebody else, but the person that that iconized it, iconized it is mm. is Bob Hope. That that kind of self-effacing but also quick talking, it's that a very very iconic, almost like stand-up comedy. Um, it, it it's almost as if he not not to imply that he did the first stand up comedy, but he may have been the the mo the first most famous person for it. Oh yeah, and I I that's what I, I mentioned early on that he's he's credited with kind of helping establish what it is to be a stand up comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was absolutely one of the first. I remember watching him on the old Carson. He'd come out and do his routines on on Johnny Carson sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, or some of his specials, or when he was hosting the Academy Award, he'd come out and do his little monologues, and he'd yeah, it would just be one joke after another, and some of it was, like you said, self-effacing. Uh, he'd be he'd build himself up and then knock himself down immediately, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he was a master at it, yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah. His, and it's, I mean, people people bring up things about his personal life, but he was married to the same woman from 1934 to 2003. That is almost 70 years, 70 years married to the same person. And whether or not their home life was, you know, ecstatic, that's an incredible achievement. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, I know it's kind of all over the place. There's, there's so much information about him because of his his fame and his popularity mm-hmm. but i think li- like you said earlier really the most important thing to to look at when you're when you're talking about bob hope is his movies is mm-hmm. his performances cuz that that was his life that was pretty much not to imply he didn't do anything else with his life but that was certainly the bulk of it so fantastic a fantastically interesting person fantastically funny guy couple things uh- just about Bob Hope in this film, it's surprised to see him not playing to the camera as much as I was expecting, or as I'm used to seeing Bob Hope. Uh, Bob Hope in his films, he's notorious for playing to the fourth wall. Breaking that fourth, yeah, exactly. He does not do that in a whole lot in this film. I'm not sure if he did. And there's a couple of moments where he sort of talks to himself, mm-hmm. and you could... Yeah, maybe you could count that, like him making some comment to the audience, but he's not looking at the camera or anything. It doesn't feel like he's talking to the audience. Well, and it's interesting. You you have to take this whole movie in the context of the beginning, which is it starts off and he is on death row. Jackson, I'm going to grant you a special privilege not often given to a man in your position. Is what you asked for. A chance to tell your story to the newspapers. To get it off your chest. Thanks, Warden. See you in a while, Jackson. I'll be right here. Oh, Mr. Jackson, I think you're wonderful. You've really got what it takes. Well, I ain't exactly a cream puff. Cigarette? Never mind. Thanks, George. Might be a saw on that one. Oh. Well, you've got what I call guts. By the way, I figured... Anybody get a match? Yeah. Yeah. The way I figured, if a guy feels in his heart he's taking a phony rap, well, it's not so tough to kick the bucket. It's not so tough to walk that last mile. It's just tough to light a cigarette, that's all. Say, Jackson, how'd you get into this mess? Was it a woman? It's always a woman. You should have seen this woman. Skin like smooth satin, beautiful blue eyes, dark silken hair, kind of a gal that Make you want to give away your last shirt. I borrowed this from the warden. This girl, how'd you meet her? Did she come up to your office? Did you fall in love with her? Wait a minute, one at a time. You may not know this, but I wasn't always a detective. Before they pinned this murder rap on me, I had one of the sweetest little rackets in San Francisco. A legitimate business? Better than legitimate, it was profitable. He's He has been accused of something. You have to assume that it's murder. Accused and tried and accused convicted. Accused and tried and convicted. <laughs> yes, And exactly. sentenced. Sentenced to the gas chamber. And hoping desperately for a stay of execution and not receiving it. And so, you know, the the, uh, the prison warden says, I'm going to give you what you asked for. You get the, your chance to tell your story to the press. And so yeah, if you take it in the context of the whole movie is in, is being told to the press, you know, he right. is breaking the fourth wall. The entire movie is talking to another person or talking to the audience, or talking to at least the reporters that are in in there. Well, another thing that really stuck out to me with this movie, uh, not necessarily 
had anything to do with the actors in it. The plot itself could have been a very good film noir, like hardcore film noir. <laughs> it just so comedy. happens it starred Bob Hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that. that is, yeah, that is an interesting point. I hadn't actually thought about it that way. You could almost say that Bob Hope came in and ruined a good detective movie. <laughs> good film noir. <laughs> Darn you, Bob Hope. And it's funny. I mean, of course, Dorothy Lamour plays all of these characters. in All through the road movies and everything, she plays the characters straight. And so, yeah, pretty much if you... And, and Bob Hope is the only one in it do, pulling the gags and saying the funny stuff. So, yeah, literally, if you replay... If you did... What they did in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and replaced Bob Hope with a serious actor instead of replacing actors with, you know, of course, Steve Martin, then you would end up, yeah, you could potentially end up with a really serious movie. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, I've seen the Peter Lorre and they say, oh, parodying his, his film noir roles. It was like, yeah, he's not really. No, he's, he's really... just doing another <laughs> film noir role. Yeah, he's. Um, oh, what's the word for it? He's just redoing them, reenacting them. That is really funny. I mean, he has some moments that are humorous, but they could have easily still fit within a standard film. Oh, uh, there, there. Yeah, there's nothing that Peter Lorre does in this movie that I can... Even when he, like, throws the knife and it misses Bob Hope's head. Oh, he or no, Bob Hope is able to deflect it. And he's like, what are you doing? If you watch anything else with Peter Lorre in it, that's just how he is when he's angry. Yeah. He's not being funny. That's Peter Lorre angry in a movie. <laughs> what I'm, are you doing? I... I love the Peter Laurie's character who is he's he's a, a terrible human being. You get the you can effectively call him a hitman, I think. Yes. But he's studying to become a US citizen throughout the film. <laughs> and it it makes him it gives him a real sort of sociopath quality that just makes him that much more frightening. Yeah. That is, it's funny. I think maybe he's got more speaking parts in this movie than most movies I've seen him in. I haven't seen all of his movies. Don't launch at me and say, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I guarantee there are movies that I don't know of that he talks more. Oh, gosh. I mean, oh, man. Look, looking just down the list of Peter Laurie movies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, ah. Uh. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons that it's like man this is if you're gonna watch a comedic mystery a, a comedic you know detective movie this is the one to watch i can't yeah. think of i mean as, as far as this era goes now i mean after this there are of course you know there's some great neil simon out there but yeah but no it's great it, i mean it's a good mystery and it's got a, a great comedic actor as well, so you you really it hits it hits it hits the mark on both uh, both counts. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do things. I love it too. There's <laughs> the scene right at the end of the car chase where he's trying. You know, of course, he's trying to get away from the bad guys, and he goes to an apartment building and he can't get in the front door. <laughs> I love fantastic. it because any other movie they would say he you know he rings the bell and says hey hey honey it's me let me in and the door opens. Instead, he's hitting every single button. Hey honey, it's Joe. Let me in. Hey honey, it's Joe. Let me. In. And, and I love and all the women reply, "Oh, hey, Joe, I'm waiting for you. I was waiting for you, Joe. I love." The, I've got to. I've got to remember this address. <laughs> oh, this Joe guy. Wow. I the, any other movie they would 
downplay that. I love the excess of <laughs> of his <laughs> desperation, I suppose. It seems like every situation is like that. He's just going to go to the next level, just beyond what anybody else would do to try and get out of the situation to save his own skin. Oh, uh, Lon Chaney Jr., who is effectively doing this his Lenny, like I, as I said, from Of Mice and Men. Um, but he's almost endearing. <laughs> oh, he's adorable. <laughs> he For what is he like six foot five or something like oh, that? Oh yeah. Big guy. For yeah. a hulking, frankly, in the movie, I, not, not in real life, but in this movie, he's not a bright guy. <laughs> um, he, no, he's so cute. It was probably near the end. Uh, but they're all looking for Bob. They're all looking for Ronnie. They don't know where he is. He shows back up at the hotel when he and uh, Dorothy Lamore have, have infiltrated the hotel as a, a, a bellboy and a, and a maid. Mm-hmm. Look, Willie, we're friends, pals, remember? Sure. I like you. <laughs> Let's go tell the fellas. No, no, Willie, no. They'd ruin everything. Shh, we're friends. Let's be alone. Here, have some walnuts. Uh, are them yours? Yeah, slip this into your pocket. Gee, thanks. Some more. You know, I, I like walnuts better than almost anything. Shh. Except coconuts. Coconuts, yes. Oh, I hate them. Because they, they don't fit in here. And they will soon. Yeah. Shh. Look, just forget that you ever saw me. I'll bring you some lychee nuts. You can crack them with your eyelids. They're more fun. Shh. Hey, you know who I just seen? Shh. At least the part that's in code. Shh, quiet. What are you doing? Cracking nuts. Uh, guess who give them to me? Oh, sit down. He, he, he was right out. Stop and... interrupting. But I just want to... Shut up. Well, that ain't no nice way to talk to a person. Shh. All right, just for that, I'll keep quiet. Shut up. We're trying to think. But I just wanted to... Would you be quiet? Fine, I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, Willie was great. He is. I like. I like the personality. Now, is it just me or does he usually play the really threatening, dark, hulking character? Well, I mean, he's probably most famous for playing uh, the Wolfman. And yes. So th- th- he's very well known for playing the sort of the tormented character. Not the a little bit goofy but sweet character. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. No, I like him in this part. It's it, he. I'm trying to think because through this whole movie, I keep thinking that he reminds me of somebody in this, but I can't think who it is. Who does his character remind me of? Well, Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Well, <laughs> all right. I have to. I have to admit, I haven't seen it. So, oh, I feel like I'm just going to be just destroyed for this episode. <laughs> How can you not have seen that, Lydia? How can you not have seen that? But no, it, for through the all the the monster movies he has done is The Mummy and Son of Dracula, and um, he is typically actually a, an actually imposing person, not simply physically, and able to crack walnuts on the inside of his elbow. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's another moment. It gives Bob Hope another moment to be um, to be funny without actually saying a word, because there's a, there's at least once when Willie does that walnut crack with his arm, and you see Bob Hope just stare at that, 
stare at the crook of the guy's arm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the the uh, the line there too, where he says, "Oh, let me feel those muscles," you know, and he's like, "Oh, you know, wow, those are you know, those are something." And and Willie says, "Oh, can I feel yours too?" And he, Bob says, "Yeah." And he goes. It's in there somewhere. Keep feeling for it. <laughs> and Willie says, oh, there it is. It's just like a woman's. <laughs> it's like, hey. Oh, yeah. The gags. The gags in this are awesome. They're hilarious. The one whole gang when he ends up at the uh, the mental institution and he's oh, playing golf. Then <laughs> the other guy's got the invisible ball. I, yes. So I didn't recognize him, but I feel like I feel like I should have. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um what the uh, what the character's name was, so I don't know who he, who the actor was. I don't know that I can. Oh, Charles Arndt is the actor. The character is called Crawford. Oh, okay, great. And he was in. He was a character actor of some acclaim. He was in over two hundred films. Yeah, so. in a lot. I'm and I'm curious. I'm, he was he. I think he was in a number of movies with Bob Hope, but. Again, being one of those kind of, I mean, you know, definitely character actor, very identifiable face. But we run across so many actors where we go, I recognize this guy, but I can't think from what. And I think this is just going to turn out, I I think... Charles you Arndt might recognize him for many things. Yeah. Exactly. And and a, a dozen things where he pokes his face in for a minute or two minutes or has an encounter somewhere with somebody and then isn't in the movie again. Then... Yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm making weird noises. I wish that I, I wish that I were able to expound on on every person in this movie, or at least every every speaking part in this movie. I should say. Yeah, it, it is a fantastic cast, and it, it is a really fun movie to watch. Um, it, it was really refreshing too, because it's been forever since I've watched the Bob Hope movie. Mm-hmm. I remember watching quite a few when I was younger because it was the type of things that would just sh- kind of show up on the local uh, UHF channel mm-hmm. you know, on, a, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, so I have not watched one in forever. So it was it was really nice watching this. Oh, my gosh, my last Bob Hope film may have been Road to Bali. That, uh, I think about it. <laughs> I keep trying not to launch. You hear me like, keep making little choking noises. I keep trying not to launch into talking about different movies. Like I said at the very beginning, this reminds me of so many other movies. And, and to make it worse, after I watched this one to review it the first time, you know, in preparation for this episode, I just left, I just left YouTube playing and Mm -hmm. it brought, and then I ended up watching three Bob Hope movies in a row, (laughs) literally three. One was Never Say Die and one was The Lemon Drop Kid. Um, Incidentally, same writers in The Lemon Drop Kid as in um, this movie. So if you're interested to see more from the same, and they actually were pretty, they had a number of other movies that I've looked at at least. It is really funny. I mean, we talk a little bit about people being actors versus being personalities. And Bob Hope is a personality. Uh, And, you know, not that he's incapable of acting, but he is always Bob Hope in every movie that he's in. Like Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby is always Bing Crosby in every movie he's in. Whether he is a traveling salesman or a priest or an executioner, he's always Bing Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that if you're going, if you're going to go into a movie looking for Bob Hope's best, you know, critically acclaimed role, I'm not sure you will actually 
find a movie that you can say this is Bob Hope's best role. Right. Because <laughs> every role of his is his best role because every role is always just him. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, what you see on the screen is kind of the same person that you see on the stage at the USO or hosting exactly. the Academy Award. Yeah. Exactly. And so it is It is interesting. I would be really interested to hear from our listeners which Bob Hope movie is their favorite. I would mm-hmm. love to know if anybody has an, an, a really strong argument for, you know, oh, no, Bob Hope's best movie is definitely The Princess and the Pirate. Not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but I know there's somebody out there who's going to say, oh, no, Bob, Bob Hope definitely has a best movie, and it's this. I would love to know what it is. I would love to... Um, I'd love to hear from people what they think is the Bob Hope movie to watch. And I wouldn't be surprised if a few people said this is it. Or one of the other my favorite movies. My, my favorite blonde, my favorite spy. Yeah, yeah. Which now I feel like I have to watch because clearly, yeah. even though I don't think they're directly related, I don't, they're just, you know, in the way that Boz Lerman movies are not really related, but they're a little bit related, but they're really not. But my dad insists that they are. They <laughs> they really don't tie in together at all. But, you know, but if you've seen one, you kind of need to see the other two. And now I'm interested to see the other two of these. Right at the top of my head, my favorite Bob Hope movie is the Muppet movie. <laughs> he makes a fantastic cameo. That is really funny. <laughs> that's I, I guarantee that's my husband's favorite Bob Hope movie too, because that's pretty much his favorite movie. So. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize he uh, he was a he showed up. He was on. Um, I was just looking up his filmography. He appeared a couple times on Rowan and Martin's Laughing. I'm. I'm kind of not surprised. I mean, I'm a little surprised I don't see him on the actual Muppet show. I yeah, strangely can't enough. I imagine he wasn't, but I don't see that he was. So, again, I'd love for somebody to to pipe in and say, oh, yeah, no, he was on this one. Or uh, You have to think. I, I think for somebody as big as Bob Hope, he would have been listed. Like, there, there are probably not a lot of roles out there that he played that aren't gonna show up in a major list somewhere but i think there must have been a bunch of people that were on like rowan and martin or on the carol burnett show and i'm and i'm i'm so sorry i was trying so hard not to go off on a tangent and then i just did but that was partially my fault well you know (laughs) (laughs) so tell it so tell us what your favorite bob hope movie is i'm really interested to know too if if anybody has a good Dorothy Lamore movie that they recommend that does not have Bing Crosby or Bob Hope in it. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, I'd kind of, I want to go back and watch this uh, Jungle Princess, uh, being that it's one of her, her uh, kind of like her, one of her early and most famous roles. Well, and she definitely was in other things without them, I obviously. Mm-hmm. But I would really like to know what somebody... Would somebody would say, "Oh, this is such a great movie with her in it." I'd love to hear back about that. Since just, I'm sure some of these are just not going to be found anymore. I feel like they're probably just from not having heard of so many of the movies that she was in. I wonder what what percentage of them are still a, could be found, you know, without having to go into a private vault somewhere. Despite the fact that uh, she is a a name that you recognize as being of the, you know, this era of Hollywood and you know, a, a co-star of Bob Hope and Bing Crosby mm-hmm. and everything. It 
it's not one of those names that you're going to find on like um when the home video started you're not going to find the Dorothy Lamore box sets exactly exactly and not, not that i've been ever not that i've ever seen or anything yeah and it and it is interesting she is also kind of well now i now that's not fair i was about to say she also is sort of always the same type of character that femme fatale but uh, to be fair, I've really only seen her in Bing Crosby and Bob Hope movies. So I really shouldn't say that out loud and with any uh, any amount of authority. <laughs> I just don't know. So again, if, if you guys are listening and you think, oh, no, the, my favorite Dorothy Lamore movie is this. And you absolutely have to see it. And it shows her range. And she's, you know, it's Dorothy Lamore's reign. I want to know. <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> I was just doing a real quick scan through like Amazon and yeah, you can find her in some individual films. Obviously road to Bali is very easy to find. Um, But yeah, there is, there is no like Dorothy Lamore collection, uh, the greatest hits of Dorothy Lamore or anything. There's not, there's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can get there's a double feature with Bob Hope, but you can get road to Bali and my favorite brunette in a, uh, Two-pack DVD. In a two-pack. Well, so she was in she was in a lot of movies that you will have heard of, like Donovan's Reef. But I, I feel like later, um, in, you know, The Greatest Show on Earth is another one, um, which is, if I'm not mistaken, has Jimmy Stewart and is a tragic clown. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, but she, she didn't play, like, the main female character in a lot of her later movies so you'll see her in a, a, a substantial number of movies but maybe not as the main female character right so her popularity seemed to sort of wane uh in the in the late 50s going into the early 60s and that's when she started doing more in the stage show and then doing some television appearances mm-hmm. uh, um no idea why i you know because <laughs> The moving-going public is fickled, I guess, Oh gosh! what it boils and down to. After having read the David Nimmons biography, I, I, there's so many layers now to Hollywood in this era that I'm really curious about. Because if you just made the wrong studio head angry, you were just out. Like instantly you were done. And so, and it could, you know, it wouldn't necessarily have had, and of course this is, this is the era, um, during, uh, the Cold War and all of the, um, the, the, I can't think what they were called. I can't remember. I was just reading about them. The inquiries, uh, about the, the red scare and all oh, of that sure, kind of sure. stuff. And if you, if it was mentioned with any level of authority that you had any link to the Russians or to communism, you could just get very quickly sidelined. Yeah. And well, also by the time we get into the fifties and sixties, she's now starting to be in her forties and fifties. Mm-hmm. And at that time in Hollywood, that's not what brings people puts butts in the seats. You know, oh, the next, yeah. the, the next 20 year old starlet is what, you know, it was okay for Bob Hope and being, being Crosby to be 15, <laughs> 60 years old in these movies. <laughs> yeah. But heaven forbid they star alongside some 50 year old woman. Um, oh, yeah. That, unless that's you're my Betty, mom. No yeah, way. Unless you're Betty Davis, you're not getting the really prominent older woman roles. Right. Or, or Catherine Hepburn, you know, if you're not intentionally moving into those aging woman roles, then you're probably oh, not. And getting look at what lines. kind of roles those aging women roles typically were. They were usually like 
the mean, venomous, the evil, wicked, venomous, exactly. wicked older women. Yeah. I can't imagine grandma. Dorothy Lamore doing something like oh, that. Oh, goodness, no. Not Certainly, you can't ever imagine her as being the backstabbing, horrible <laughs> person that, that Betty Davis could play. You know, just mm-hmm. can't imagine it. So is there, I had seen somewhere, somebody had, had mentioned, oh, my favorite scene in this is the car chase scene. Um, mm. So I'm curious to know what was your favorite scene in this one. He, that's why I really... I told you before we started recording that I had every intention of watching this a second time closer to the date of day of recording. So it'd be fresher in my head. Cause I watched it a, a couple days ago. Uh, I really wish I had gotten a chance to do that. So I'd have a better answer. Um, oddly enough, I think some of my favorite scenes are actually the ones where Bob hope is almost secondary to the, what's going on. I, I don't, not secondary isn't really the right word. I'm thinking like when he's hiding underneath the desk and they're trying to use the, uh, the phonograph recorder and he keeps unplugging it by accident yeah. <laughs> and he has to try to get Dorothy Lamore to get Peter Laurie to repeat his admission that he <laughs> killed the guy. Three um, times. <laughs> yeah, three times. <laughs> A chambermaid now, huh? You see, she's dangerous. We've got to get rid of her. Oh, let her go, Kismet. We don't want any trouble here. But that's no trouble. I put her in a trunk and sent her to my brother in California. I said let her go. Uh, All right, boys. We'll handle this. Uh, sit down, Carlotta. Sit down. Sit down. Whatever happened to your friend, uh, what was his name, Mr. Jackson? That fool. That imbecile. He never knew when to keep his mouth shut. But you were too smart for him. Now I'm alone and too weak to fight any longer. Well, there's really nothing to fight about, honey. Yeah, I'll show you what I mean. Carter, I once made you a mighty generous offer concerning this. The, uh, the map? Yes, the map. Now, I'm repeating that offer. Uh, there seems to be something missing here. The code. You get me the code to the uranium deposits in San Dimas, and I'll let you both go. You mean my uncle and me? Yes. I see. Otherwise? Well, you know what we did to Mr. Collins. What do you mean, we? I did. Always belittling me. When I do a job, I do it. I don't think we ought to waste time arguing between ourselves, Kismet. All right. Well, I... I've got to think it over for a minute. It's a very big decision. I don't like to be kept waiting, girl. No, we don't. Did you hear me, Carlotta? Well, did you really kill Mr. Collins? Well, who do you think did it? That baby photographer? That that phony detective, huh? How do you like that? Such a neat job, an artistic job, and she thinks an amateur did it. Yes, yes. Stop taking bows. I'm not taking any bows. I'm still waiting, Carlotta. Hear me? Kismet, I can't believe that you killed Mr. Collins. But I did! I killed him! I killed him! I killed him! How often do I have to say it? That doesn't. That doesn't. Stick him up. Stick him up. Ah! <laughs> Easy, Cuddles. One move and you're a dead midget. Didn't recognize me, huh? Give me that map. Come here, baby. 
You're liable to be in the crossfire. Now, get your friends in here. Hurry up or I'll fill you so full of holes you'll look like a fat clarinet. Come on, get them in here. Get back there. Make it snappy. Nice work, baby. All right, boys. You can come in now. Come on. Hurry up. Come on. Easy does it, fellas. I got a bullet in here for each of you. And one left over in case I can still hear breathing. You know those dicks downstairs? Tell them I'm giving a little party in 14C. Hurry. You'll be all right? All right, this is my type of work. Uh, line up against the wall. Hurry up, I got you covered. Back up, all of you. I said back up. Okay, then I'll back up. Now, come on, fellas. I still can't believe you did it. I did it, I did it. How many times do I have to say? <laughs> oh, Peter Laurie, when he loses it, is... It, I, he it's funny because he's really funny but you would never dare laugh at him while you're there no. I, and I don't know much about him behind the scenes he may have been the sweetest guy ever but he has the look of mania <laughs> you just yeah, I mean just total mania where you're like this guy literally could just shank me <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, that's, there's, I like the scene where they've, they've gotten rained on <laughs> Dorothy Lamour says, uh, put the top up, it's going to rain. He says, it never rains this time of year and immediately just starts dumping rain. Right. And um, and they're back at his place. In, um, Won't you help me? No. Please. Oh, no, you don't. What kind of a sucker do you take me for? Just because you're a girl and I'm a boy and you're throwing those big blue eyes at me and you're letting me put my arms around you and you let me hold you close, even closer... You think you can get me to do anything you want? What do you want, baby? And the other one is, and then the other one is when he's trying to, you know, they're on the other side of, they're on opposite sides of a locked door from each other, and he says, "Hey, do you have a hairpin?" And she says, "Oh, now's not the right time to be thinking about your appearance." And she puts it under <laughs> for him anyway, but she says it totally straight faced, and it's I like every once in a while you get a little bit of a hint that maybe this lady doesn't really have it all together in her head. <laughs> like mm, no. that's what she thinks. It's so funny. I just enjoy some of the, the, the smaller moments. I, I like some of the, the... The first cameo we get is with Alan Ladd, and it's right after Bob Hope comes in. He's talking to him. The The detective, Sam McCloud, has got his back turned to him. He's like, come on, I want to be a private eye like, you know, like Humphrey Borgard or Alan Ladd. And that's when <laughs> Sam McCloud turns around and it's Alan Ladd. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> or even Alan Ladd, he says... So dismissively, yeah. I, yes. like I don't know. Do you want to spoil the, the the final cameo of the of the film? I do, um, but of course it makes sense. So there are a few movies where this happens, where something is going on, and and Bob Hope is in mortal danger, <laughs> and the camera pans around, and it's Bing Crosby. <laughs> who's putting him in mortal danger. And in this yes. particular, I like the, the warden says, oh, no, I forgot to tell the executioner that the whole thing is off. Hey, hey, Harry, the execution's off. And, of course, he turns around and it's it's Bing Crosby. But I love the, the response from Dorothy Lamour because, mm. you know, <laughs> Bob Hope is here. He's like, come here, you know, basically give me some sugar, baby. Not Not literally easy, that line. But, you know, he's going to kiss her and she's just like, 
looking sideways at Bing, which of course he knows the punchline <laughs> yes. to every road movie at the end of every single road movie. Uh, yeah, no, it's in it, 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 of course, Bing Crosby incredibly disappointed that he doesn't get to execute Bob Hope. And sometimes you wonder if he didn't really feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently uh, I read that um, Bob Hope really wanted Bing Crosby to do that cameo. I have and actually that. paid five thousand dollars of his own money to Bing to get him to do it. Five thousand dollars in this day would have bought three or four vehicles, by the way. Yes. So that yeah. was a lot of money. <laughs> and then it was reported that Bing actually later donated that fee to charity. Which so is good. it was all it was all good. But yeah, Bob, Bob Hope was just adamant that he make a cameo in this film. <laughs> well, and you know what? What better? What better role than the executioner? Yes. But no, I did love that, you know, Dorothy, he he catches Dorothy's eye. (laughs) Bob has to like, hey, 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 over here. (laughs) It's kind of to her. Uh, That was great. It was a very, very well-placed, very well-done cameo. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely a fun watch. This is one of those films where you're, you're so thankful because of the age. I mean, it's not that old, but that someone decided for whatever reason not to bother to renew the copyright oh, when it was up. Yep. And so thankful that it was so we get a chance to talk about it here on this uh, on the podcast. Yeah, it feels like it it probably is more popular and well known because of that than it would have been if it had been renewed and as and is re-released. the case of many public domain films, so mm-hmm. studios, I mean <laughs> I learn from the music industry, learn from bands, <laughs> you know, the, the, oh, you, it's to, I think that finally we're going to, I think we're going to, we're going to diverge from the subject for a minute here. I think they're finally starting to learn that people really want those extra, um, features. Cause for a while you could only get the special features if you were buying the DVD. And it seems like a, a few movies recently, um, Free Guy is one specifically I'm thinking of where they've you can actually purchase it with the extra content as it would have been if it had been on DVD. And um, it, it feels like that that's going to add value to the movies that they're releasing just in a digital format. But that's the kind of thing where at this time when they didn't renew it, if they had, you know, if, if they had allowed people to see it without Hoard. The movies that they've hoarded and that they've continued to renew and then not release have been, they have not been lucrative because nobody knows about them. Right. And so, you know, and maybe- they're, they're in danger of being lost mm-hmm. because they are just sitting in some vault rotting somewhere. Whereas mm-hmm. if they had released them into the wild, as it were, <laughs> they'd be up on YouTube, they'd be on digital, they would be on multiple DVD box sets. Mm-hmm. And that would secure their 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 place in the in the future. Yeah, great example. The Desert Hawk that I mentioned earlier. Um, it, it has Richard Green, Ivana Carlo. Um, of course, I mentioned mentioned Frank Puglia, who was in this movie. Rock Hudson, one of Rock Hudson's first roles ever, maybe his first speaking role. I don't. I'm not sure about that, but one of his first ones. And it's it's pretty much gone you just can't find it anywhere um but but the, it's a it's a movie that it, it's sitting somewhere and they won't let people watch it and so it's been completely forgotten another movie that i bring up a lot um that lady in ermine 
hilarious movie. Just, you know, Betty Grable and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. But nobody, nobody I know has ever seen it unless I have sent them, you know, a copy of it or shown it to them at my house. Mm -hmm. And all these movies, you know, it's funny. We've been doing this podcast for almost 10 years. I feel like it sounds like a sales pitch. It's really not. But I'm just going on a little rant here. But it all these movies that that we can't cover because they're still under copyright, but they're such memorable films. If, if people would just be allowed to watch them, it's just, it's just a tragedy, especially now where it could be digitized and it could be put up for sale and -hmm. you could just go and buy it. I I'm baffled to think that studios are just sitting on these movies that they could be getting a resurgence from, but instead of putting them out digitally, they're just continuing to hoard them. So, and, uh, and there's a lot of small companies and, and not so small companies that would take something if it were easily obtainable, if it were free, they didn't have to buy and pay for licensings and everything. You know, the, the shout factories and, and, mm-hmm. and um, the other distributors like that who would take something and put it on and clean it up and put mm-hmm. it on a disc with a lot of special features. Mm-hmm. Uh, do some behind the scenes of interviews and do uh, commentaries and yeah, things so like Bob that. Yeah, Hope stand up for the so- on the side or, you know, just something, a little bit of anything. But even without those special features, there's so, how many hundreds of films are just sitting in, probably thousands of films just sitting in vaults right now that, that could be, could be being released digitally. And mm-hmm. we could be enjoying so many more of these movies, but they're, they're literally just being forgotten and degrading because they're still under copyright. It's so counterintuitive. Yes. So, so, yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that we'll start seeing more and more released. There has not seemed, at least not that I've heard, there does not seem to be a big push to extend copyright law again. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of films and books and music and you know different properties that are falling in the copyright every January 1st. You know, we just had... Uh, public domain day at uh, January 1st of every year. And we had a lot of really great stuff uh, dropping the public domain. Mm-hmm. So we're still mostly in the silent era. And when it comes to the films, mm-hmm. but we're getting closer and closer where a lot of the, some of these films that have been um, held hostage mm-hmm. will finally, uh, finally be released. Well, the, this year, this movie came out in 1947 so we're looking at another 25 years from today that its contemporary films will have to wait to be made in the public domain and during that time period how many of them are going to be lost it's not to be an alarmist or anything like that but man studios you have 25 years to make money on these movies why not do it even if you're releasing them digitally for you know 10 bucks a pop there are people out there that would love to see all these movies that are just shoved away somewhere. It, oh man, it would be, maybe we need to put together a petition or something. I don't know how in the <laughs> world we can make a difference here. It is funny. I know it, there's a lot going on in the world right now. This is a very, very minor issue, but you know, like the point made in Sullivan's travels, you know, people need comedy more in times of stress than at any other time. So, Absolutely. Man, it would be great to, to see some of these come out and be made available again. Yeah. Now would be the time with, like you said, we need the comedy. There are so many streaming services. Oh Um, gosh. You, you pull up like uh, 
one app after another on Roku of uh, small outfits that are just dying for content to to put on their on their channels. Oh and, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, let's looking at just ni- 1947. You've got The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Oh my gosh, Miracle on 34th Street, which I th- you can probably buy that one now. There are a bunch that that are out there that you could buy now. Secret Life of Walter Mitty, one of the best movies ever. <laughs> Just us, one of the Thin Man movies, Song of the Thin Man. There are there are hundreds of them that are out there and available. And for as many as there are that are available, there are as many that aren't. So, um, man, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait another twenty five years to see all the movies that came out in nineteen forty seven love for us to be able to talk about the thin man movies oh wouldn't that be so much fun <laughs> not, we will be let's see like in our 60s <laughs> uh 60s and 70s at that point so um stick around guys coming up in three centuries we'll be <laughs> we'll finally be the thin man oh yes. three decades not three centuries holy sometimes oh, it yeah, feels goodness. like three centuries <laughs> uh now and with that tangent <laughs> that yes. tangent finally we had to go on a tangent but um so i think oh. we need to talk about rating this we need to do the rating thank you very much Sign i was open. almost ready to close this yeah. out and completely <laughs> forgetting about the ratings easy for me while i don't think it is a absolutely got to absolutely watch this a four is easily uh four oathals for me i don't think it's an absolutely you have to go out but Oh, there's no way I can't recommend it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, and that's, it, it's funny. I feel like our ratings have, pro, we should graph them and see if our ratings have gotten lower over the last nine years, just to see, have we gotten more and more skeptical about our ratings? Um, I, I have, I, I agree with you. I'm a little tempted to say a five because if you are only going to watch one Bob Hope movie, this is a good one. Uh, you, uh, I'm trying to talk myself out of a five, actually. And I, I really can't. I think that All it's right. worth watching a movie with Bob Hope that doesn't have Bing Crosby in it. If you've seen every road movie, then that's great. Like, the, I love the road movies. They are some of my some of my favorite, especially you want to talk about buddy comedies. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they're they're kind of right in the right in the early buddy comedy genre. Totally totally great to watch, but Bob Hope on his own is a little different. He's a little the same, but Bob Hope can carry a movie on his own and I think it's worth watching one. So I am going to give this a 5 for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's worth watching a, a Bob Hope movie, a Bob Hope Bob Hope movie. And another is, I think this is an excellent, excellent example of uh, of a comedy detective, a detective comedy movie. I can't think of a better one until you get to the cheap detective. <laughs> which, yeah. and I and I'm not sure I would say the cheap detective is better. That and Murder by Death, which are of mm-hmm. course, you know, Highly the same writer, by me, by me. Simil- yeah. yeah, some of the same actors. Until you get to Murder by Death, I'm not sure that there is a better comedy uh, comedy detective movie out there so i think i think i'm going to give this a five that'll give us a nice four and a half rating which i'm i'm not i don't want to bump your rating but i think even if you had said five i would have said five so 
I'm comfortable with that. And I think, you know, if you're going to, if you're looking for something funny to watch, this is a great one to pull up. You can watch it with the kids and, um, you know, leave your anti Bob Bob Hope prejudices at home (laughs) because the guy is, he's a wonderful entertainer. He really is. Nope. Absolutely. Like, like I was saying earlier, you, you really have to separate the two and just enjoy what you're seeing on the screen. If you judge everybody by hearsay, then you're going to hate everybody in the world. So let's just, uh, let's just stick with, was the guy funny? And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, five out of five. Absolutely. He's funny. All right. Excellent. Yeah. You <laughs> could probably easily talk me into a five. So. <laughs> That's not my goal. I just want right. to make sure I don't want to talk myself out of a five and no, I'm happy with that. Excellent. No, that's great. Well, then that will do it for us. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Lydia, as always, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I believe this was your uh, suggestion when you saw it <laughs> pop up on, a, on, the, on the list. So I think we were ready for a little comedy. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. We've had and some good dramas recently. I think we're, we're in the mood for a good comedy. Yes. So that's going to do it. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in, uh, in a month. Uh, until then, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.